You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next Test Strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mental Podcast. We are sitting here being mental this evening. It is Yes, we are. We've both decided it's been a long week, and so, <laughs> yeah, it's a little mental around here tonight, so that's okay, though. Um, Seth's, you know, having technical difficulties, we're both yammering about the day, you know, just a little, just a little bit of goofing off, hanging out, but I am, of course, one of your co-hosts, Michelle Collins, and sitting on the other end of the microphone is my co-host, Seth Showalter. Hey there. There he is. So, I was, I was joking, you were having technical difficulties. You even uttered profanity. Well, yeah, I did, but that's... It was funny, it made me laugh. (laughs) Profanity is not that. <laughs> I think ha- it's a great stress reliever. <laughs> it happens frequently, so it happens frequently to me too. <laughs> Usually in traffic, <laughs> as you so well know. <laughs> I think that yeah. In fact, I like it when you pull at me when you are know, cursing in I traffic. I find a lot of joy in that. For I some odd reason, I should you earlier today then because I really let loose today. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you don't even need to do like salutations. You just, if you're cursing at, in traffic, you just turn the, your Marco Polo on. There is no need there. for an explanation, <laughs> no need. an introduction. Hey, I'm here just for entertainment go. purposes only. That's it. Just go. Well, no, you're here for a lot more than just entertainment. But that. No, I mean, I mean, when I polo, I'm just there for entertainment purposes. That's yeah, it. I very much enjoy it. I did, however, send a Snapchat to my children expressing my frustration with said drivers. Did you? Yes, I did. I, there's a very annoying habit here in the South. I, 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 it drives me up the wall. The idea of this excessive generosity and, and kindness in your driving, like to the point of you causing an accident. There's a dude in front of me today that decided a car waiting to pull out needed to pull out, but he had to slam on his brakes to let that car pull out. So five of us behind him almost hit him. Now, to me, that's just counterproductive and stupid. So, yes, it but it's excessive generosity, excessive kindness. And I guess I should be happy about that. But when we're driving, it just annoys me. <laughs> you know, it's like four cars sitting at an intersection, everybody going, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. And that has happened to me here, by the way. <laughs> and if you know me at all, this. and you do, I rolled down my window and said, somebody freaking go. Because <laughs> I'm from or California. Or I would just imagine... <laughs> As soon as it was your turn, you would be gone. So, because yeah, no, you have to that. be aggressive. I've sat there as long as everybody else. We can doggone take our turns as the way we're supposed to. It's just, it's it's craziness to me. So I don't understand. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway. That was a wonderful traffic story. 
I'm very happy that we <laughs> that could kick off this, story. this episode of Mental Podcast with <laughs> Me being Michelle mental. <laughs> and traffic. Road rage. <laughs> it is a real thing. Of, there's got to be some kind of psychosis for that, I think. So. <laughs> I, I think psychosis might be a stretch. I, I don't know. You've never been in the car with me. So. <laughs> Neurosis may be more appropriate. Okay, sure. Whatever. Term it however you want. There's a lot of yelling going on. A good amount okay. of gesturing and a lot of profanity. <laughs> I literally today said, oh my God, I just want the freeway. <laughs> that's all I said. I just kept saying it over and over. So, And that's that kinda, the one that place. Afternoon. Well, we don't call them freeways here, but yeah. uh, that's the one place I can't go. Why? I can't. Well, I mean, when I say I can't go... Uh, I'm not supposed to drive at oh, all. Oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to drive at all for the right, next six are. months. Of course I am. In yeah, fact, I will as soon as we... Yeah, everybody that's not supposed to drive does. In, in fact, as soon as we get done with this interview... Of course. I have one cigarette left, <laughs> and I have no choices. I am getting in the car, and I'm going to the convenience store. But but I that's what I'll do. Like, And I've even talked this out with my family to where it's like, I can drive in the city, like as long as I'm not going long, like because nothing can happen faster there. than 45. As long as I'm not going faster than like 45 miles an hour, I'm good. <laughs> oh my god! But if I'm I, going I know, over officer, 45, I know my I know my license is restricted, but I had to have cigarettes. I, my vice was calling. There was nothing I could do. I, officer. <laughs> I never went faster than 45 miles yeah, an hour. Nothing bad Who could I have really hurt? <laughs> Who could I have really hurt? Maybe oh a gosh. car or a house. But no yeah. one's dying at 45 miles an hour. Yeah, so, they can. <laughs> I know how this goes, though, because as I, as you know, my son has epilepsy. So, yeah. and whenever that happens to him, it's been a while. That he hasn't been able to drive. But yeah, at some point, I mean, you, you're adults. You have to work. You have to live your life. It's very difficult to not be able to drive. Yeah. So. I mean, I. it's very sad. I'm literally having a friend because I need to go somewhere tomorrow. So I'm having a friend come here to drive my car. Yeah. So that we can go somewhere. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a world for me. I had to drive. I had to drive my son to college uh, like three times a week. And it wasn't like close. I mean, it was like 25 miles away. And then I, so mm-hmm. I would just sit there and wait for him to get done with class and then be able to drive him home. So, yeah, it's very inconvenient, but it is what it is. I mean, yeah. So I, you hurting I'm, somebody or, or yourself. I'm driving on the streets in the city. The city. <laughs> As opposed to I, the lawns show, and whatnot. It's <laughs> a good point. I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking like streets. Like I know. The, like, <laughs> I'm just being a oh, smart ass. Welcome <laughs> to Mental Podcast. This really is traffic yes. with mental co-hosts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get in. Hey, well, I this. said we were feeling a little punchy tonight, so. Yeah, you did. Well, let's get into this week's Mental Minutes, let's shall we? I think we just did, didn't we? Well. Well, you got more to share? You go first. I mean, I don't think I don't think you can get away with just talking about cursing at traffic because that know. is a regular it's much occurrence. My life. I mean, what else am I doing? That, I don't know. Going to the gym, preparing for four oh, bodybuilding competitions. <laughs> I'm always doing that. Running a successful business on your own. Yeah. 
All the fun you stuff. Know? Same stuff I do every day. Why Why was this week long? Let's uh, start there. Let's talk to like real sub- substantive things. Okay. Uh, just lots of, um, I, well, I get up at four in the morning every morning. Actually, the alarm goes off at 345. Um, most mornings I do not hit the snooze. I get up. But some mornings, this last week, I really struggled with the snooze a couple times. But I get up early and honestly, I live on pre-workout that early in the morning. <laughs> I have a canister of it in my car, and I just dry scoop that stuff and put it in my mouth on the way to the gym and wait for it to hit. <laughs> that almost sounds substance and abuse. I mean, it, that sounds no, a, no different than caffeine. Having a cup of coffee in the morning—it's all it is—is is caffeine. You're putting powder in your mouth and you're downing yeah, it. Yeah, so you put water in yours and you drink it that way. I mean. How is it different? I don't know. It just made it's me not. think of cocaine. It made me think no. of cocaine. That's I'm not snorting it up my nose. It's not an illegal substance. It's a powder that has caffeine in it. Anyway, I use that on the way to the gym because I have to get there early and do all the all the fun cardio crap. And so yeah, I'm up early, and then I got to bed like late a few nights, like ten or eleven. So that leaves me like four hours of sleep. It's just not enough. I just don't function well on that level of sleep. So. Uh, so it's been a long week, and I've been working a lot, so there's that. It's just it's a lot on me right now. And it's, I'm on reduced calories, so I'm hungry all the time. So it's it's a mental game. No play, on, no play on words there. Ir- irony. <laughs> it, it's, is work stressful right now? Yeah, I've got a new client. He's pretty demanding, and um, we've gone back and forth a few times. So that was dicey for a little bit but i mean i've caught on pretty quickly i mean i always do and and i get that business owners you know are very protective of their business they should be so and it takes a while for people to trust one another so it's just you know a high level of of work to make sure it's getting done plus keeping up with everything else i already do for my other clients so it's you know once we catch a rhythm it'll be fine but for right now it's just a lot of it's a it's a lot of work so and so it just all takes its toll, you know, all of that together is when you're not getting enough sleep, you're not eating enough, you know, you're grumpy as it is, and then you add extra work in on top of it in a frustrating relationship in that work environment, and it becomes problematic. So, you know, it is what it is, but that's my life. I do the same thing every day. I literally have the same schedule every day. I almost literally eat the same thing every day. So <laughs> it's very monotonous over here. I don't know what to tell you. Do you end up cursing at the same people? I doubt it. I think it's new people every day, but hmm. I did snap at somebody in the gym tonight. I did. Did you? I did. These little boys that come in the gym just annoy the hell out of me. You Tell know, they're all that. in there posturing in front of the mirror and and they're leaning right over the weight racks to do the reps. And you can't get to the weight. So tonight I walked in front of one of them and he stopped and backed up and looked at me all annoyed. I said, that's why you don't stand there, Skippy. Like, that's not where you stand. Back the hell up. How old was he? I don't know, 20? Maybe. High, late high school, early college. But that's what I'm saying. They come in there, and, and that's cool. I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're working out. But you don't stand over the top of the weights, and you don't stand in front of the mirror in front of other people and do the posing and, you know, like, go in the other room like I do. <laughs> I do posing. I go in the other room and stay out of everybody's way. 
So, I, it, I, but it, again, that's that's symptomatic of having a long week, being hungry. And that, again, that was before my cheat meal tonight, Seth. So, you know, I was anticipating, I wanted to get done because it was time to eat. I got a meal tonight, so it was time to eat. And he was in my way. So. <laughs> and I, I just don't suffer silently very often. I texted one of my friends. I'm like, these little boys in the gym are getting on my last nerve. <laughs> he texted me back. He's like... He's texting me back a graphic of somebody slapping somebody. I'm like, yes, you get me. <laughs> I'm actually envisioning that entire encounter in my head. And I'm trying to think what that 20-year-old thinks. Like, does he realize, care. well, I mean, like, are you, when you're at the gym, are you, like, are you, you know. I'm me. Yeah. What are you wearing? <laughs> what do you mean, what am I wearing? What? Damn, so well, I get that question all the time. Now you're going to ask me that. Too. <laughs> no. Not like that. I know. First, <laughs> trust me, I'm not interested in those goods. I uh, no, what that. I'm what I'm what I'm meaning is like do you look like a bodybuilder? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. And I do can they recognize that? that? I can freely admit that. Do they get that? Do they yeah. recognize that? Are That's they why smart I'm like, enough? get the hell out of my way. Like, <laughs> I'm not playing with you right now. <laughs> when you're at the gym, do you like own it? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident about what I do in the gym now. It you didn't just, used like, to be that way, around, but I am pretty confident now. You. Like, I, if I want a machine and people are on it, I'm not afraid to ask them, how long are you going to be there? How many sets do you have left? Like, and if you're going to fool around on your phone in between sets, then let me work in. You know, I, I because that, that's just gym etiquette. So I'm just, I'm just not as quiet now about asking for gym etiquette to be followed. I'm pretty more, I'm pretty much vocal about it, but I'm not the only one. It, look, the gym I go to is, is a bodybuilder's gym. So there's a lot of bodybuilders in there and they're all doing the same thing. We're not there to play around. We're not there to meet anybody. We're there to get the work done and get the hell out. So, they can play around later. <laughs> that makes me sound horrible. I'm really very nice in the gym most of the time. You have to really piss me off for me to be nasty. Or be in my way before a cheat meal. <laughs> Which is the only reason I'm laughing and having fun now, because I got so much food. They should know. <laughs> so. No, I don't know that they should know, but, you know. It's on them. Yeah, whatever. I'm not worried about it. I'm honestly not. So anyway, but my life isn't exciting. My life is the same thing over and over and over. I am, I am, however, tomorrow going to Chattanooga. I've never been there before. Um, oh. And I'm going there's a bodybuilding competition tomorrow, so I'm going to go watch a friend of mine is competing. So I'm going to. It's his first show ever, and so I'm going to go support him and watch and cheer for him. But I'm going to spend the day there and kind of look around, and then Sunday I have a client taking me to a minor league baseball game. So that's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. So my weekend's okay. going to have some fun stuff on it. Well, good. Yeah. I think it's well-deserved. Yeah, I'm not going to do any work. <laughs> as you should. Yeah, well, that never happens. I almost always do. So anyway. As you shouldn't. Enough about my boring life. Say. Tell me what's going on in yours. Um. <laughs> awfully quiet yeah because anytime anytime someone asks me that question yeah i i truthfully don't know how to answer and i'm not being dramatic with that there has just been a lot of freaking change in my life over the yeah, last I know. 
over the last three months and having a grand mal seizure at a work event yeah in a faraway city has really kind of changed my perspective like on everything and suddenly there seems to be relationships that are just falling off Hmm. again and again and again and you know i'm getting into my head of Seth, if the same thing happens over and over and over again, mm. what is the common denominator? And I've done a lot of uh, serious talks with my friends over the last few weeks. I haven't bothered you because I know you're at the gym. You're not um, but me. I like I've gone over and like almost had a therapy session with my friend Liz like two or three times this week. Well, that's probably because, a good thing, though. Well, I mean, I'm just going over there crying. I mean, I've I pretty much cried again, myself not to a sleep. bad thing almost every single night this week and i'm not sleeping well at all which is scaring the living daylights out of me because it increases the chance of a seizure right and i'm that's what happened in denver it was sleep so and i know that and so i'm just um have you thought about like doing some sleep aids or something that would help you sleep i've tried every sleep aid that exists from really yeah from What's that horrible medication? I don't know. No, it's really, really bad. Like, it's really bad. People, Ambien? Yes. I've That's been bad? Ambien. I didn't know. I, yeah. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. It, it, well, if you drink with it, it's very bad. Oh, well. <laughs> so, so from Ambien to Lunesta to stuff in, that I would put in my nose what to a melatonin? CPAP machine to melatonin. Yeah, I've done it all. Hmm. I'm immune, apparently. And Benadryl, good old fashioned Benadryl. Uh, no, that knocks I mean, I everybody out. I mean, I can try it, but it typically it, that stuff work. puts me to sleep in about thirty seconds flat. Well, see, the problem isn't necessarily falling asleep; it's staying, staying asleep. asleep. Yeah, I get so that. So that's so the Benadryl, like, so that's the issue. And uh, work has been—I really don't have words. Yeah a lot of stuff i've been working 10 to 12 hours a Mm -hmm. day this week that's a lot and i've just been finishing work and being completely and utterly exhausted so when you ask me how i am i'm fine i'm good (laughs) fine i'm numb i'm numb (laughs) that's not good can you try um like some some meditation possibly if you can't sleep at least being able to calm your system and your mind I have other ways of calming my system and my mind. Everyone is no keeps substances. In, I didn't say that. I know. I'm I, just iterating. I, I just. There were some revolutionary thoughts I had this week. Okay. And that is, is that I continually find myself in situations where I typically am the one that's put down, and in a way, my body responds to that as if I'm being attacked and that is what I'm used to trauma now that I have removed certain uh, whether I have removed myself or I have been removed from uh, areas where I felt that way now that I don't have that I'm attacking myself it's almost as if my only way of survival is if I'm under attack. Does that make sense? Well, it does, but it's also symptomatic of trauma and 
there's a need to address that. Probably. I would say with therapy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm just really good at self-sabotage, and I think I've been doing it without even realizing it. Oh, most people I've, do. Right. Well, I think I've been doing it a lot. Yeah. And and to the point that it's kind of a miracle that I still work where I work, and I'm still living where I live, because if we look at history, when I've been in places like this, I've sabotaged all of that. Like, all of that. And it's really interesting that I have lately been sabotaging. The, the consequences of my sabotaging has resulted in the loss of relationships, not the stability of my job and my home, which is a good thing. Sure. Well, it's a good it's, thing. I don't know that it's but, good, but I guess it's not problematic for you on a livelihood side. Right. When in the past, it most certainly has threatened my livelihood. I think, I think that you have a tendency to self-sabotage in those areas. And I think you're right. You do it subconsciously. Um, if I were therapizing you, I would, I would say that you have some deep seated issues with yourself that you need to work out. Oh, myself. You don't like yourself. What? You don't like yourself. I love myself. Well, I don't. Well, that's probably true. So yeah, welcome to Mental Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we are just kind of all over the board, but that's me being yeah, honest well, and real. Yeah, it is. And life is life. True. We're people. We struggle with all the do. same stuff other people do. Right. So. And I have work to do, uh, but I don't know how I'm going to start that work or if I'm going to start that work and, and all of that jazz. I just know I where I'm at. It's not really good. I think it's okay. I think it's good that you can say that, um, but I, I think that that's only good if you say something and do something about it, not just yeah, keep well, saying it. I called the therapist. Okay. Good. Good. And Have you she talked got to him? she no. She never returned my phone call. Oh. And well, I don't want to start looking. Uh, well, she took a long time to find. Okay. So. Well, you're not talking to her. So how is that helpful? It's not at all. Okay. Well, so not, how? It, what difference does it make if it took a long time well, to find so her if you can't well, even talk to her? It's not my fault she didn't answer my phone call. Find it's another therapist. It's not my fault don't, she didn't call me back. Don't be throwing excuses at me. Find another therapist. You know therapist. I love the excuses. I know. Well, find another therapist because you need to work yeah. on that. <laughs> Something. Well, this has been fun. This has sure. been real. <laughs> Let's now move forward to talking about trauma. Yeah. And In what ironic. form are we talking about trauma now? I know. Not... <laughs> Not my trauma. That <laughs> specifically not my trauma. That is not for the show. Well, I just mean I mean that we have come at trauma from quite a few different ways. So yeah, yeah, five months of it. In fact, I know. So now we have a new subject matter, which is chronic physical illness. Yes, resulting in traumatic, effective, effective, effectively traumatizing the person. Correct. Couldn't get my mouth to work. <laughs> And as we've said in other series, well, not other series, other months, mm -hmm. other months in this series, mm -hmm. is that trauma is in the eye of the beholder. Sure. Even when we're talking about physical illness. Absolutely. So what might not be a big deal to one person? Well, I don't want to say not a big deal. Something less, that may not be resulting in a, a traumatic, right. yes, uh, that may not be as resulting as, as much of a trauma response to one person 
may very well do so for another. And as a result of that, we know that chronic illnesses such as cancer, heart disease, even diabetes um, may make it more likely for you to experience mental health concerns, which increase the chance of trauma. Uh, but some of those would include major depressive disorder. Yeah. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why is that? I, I think that anytime you're in pain in some form or fashion, uh, specifically conditions that result in pain in your body, like actual physical pain, um, it's very wearing on you. It wears you out after a while. And if, especially if you're somebody who has been given a diagnosis of something that is, there's no clear view of an end in sight. I mm-hmm. think that that can result in some pretty depressive symptoms because you're, you're trying to, you're trying to wrestle with the idea of I'm going to be feeling this pain for a long time. How do I deal with that? How do I live with that? And it can be pretty, pretty daunting. I mean, I mean, if you pull a muscle and you try and walk around with a pulled muscle, most of us are whining and crying over that. And if that's your life all the time, what? Well, remember that one time when I went on a date and I walked around a lake (laughs) and I couldn't walk for a week. And you thought you were going to (laughs) die? Yes, I did. I do remember not quite the same. Pretty much, as a I'm pretty sure I suggested that you needed to go for more walks at that time so that wouldn't happen again. <laughs> well, that never happened. Okay, continue on. <laughs> oh, anyway, I mean, so physical pain is obviously going to be something that, that people struggle with because nobody yeah. likes to be in pain. When we're talking about diseases or diagnoses that don't necessarily result in pain, But like, let's talk about cancer. I mean, I know some forms of cancer are painful, but for some cancer is there, but you may not even be aware of it. Heart disease is there. You may not be aware of it. Um, But when you do become aware of it, now it's mentally taxing Mm -hmm. um, because there's fear associated with it. There's, you know, the unknown associated with it, which of course can lead to feelings of depression and anxiety. So, you know... Mm -hmm. I think anytime you're dealing with a long-term illness or condition, there is a huge, huge chance for some some form of depression, you know, that you'll experience over that time. Yeah. And I really like how you mentioned, well, I don't like, you mentioned something I agree with. Mm-hmm. That when the illness does not appear to have an ending yeah when there does not appear to be a cure when there does not appear to be some type of treatment that's going to make it so this never happens again right there there is no light at the end of the tunnel there is no hope of something changing or getting better right and that leaves one in a very dark and shallow place absolutely and I have been experiencing that personally, uh, having now had a second seizure, in that for me, there is no promise that I'm never going to not have a seizure again. Right. Um, and now that's just one example. I mean, we're talking about serious other physical illnesses like cancer, things that legitimately can kill you. Yeah. Well, let's not minimize the seizure, though. I mean, it's legitimate in itself. It's definitely something people have died from, not necessarily the seizure, but any physical injury that comes as a result of the seizure. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I, I just, don't think we, we negate that. I don't need to make a big deal of it, though. We did an entire extended mental in the I last know. episode, in which I kind of ranted and raved about it for a while. <laughs> but um, I, I know that feeling of the unknown. And, right, it, and it is it is very scary. And so the more that one fixates on that unknown, when you will never actually know, right. it, it leads you to a place of temporary feelings of sadness, of hopelessness. And I would even go so far as to say isolation and sure. feeling alone. Sure. Because no one can really feel the same way that you are feeling in that moment. Right. Or with that diagnosis, I mean, you can maybe can connect to other people who also had that physical illness, but it is still a very personal thing. Absolutely. And therefore, those feelings of isolation and feeling alone are very, very common. Yeah. Yeah. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast, running out to the store, walking the dog or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. And so to kick this off, I sat down with a former uh, co-worker of mine, by the name of Donna Sanders. And so I want to go ahead and play a very short clip in which she describes some of the things that she has been dealing with in regards to chronic illness. Now I'm sitting down here with a former coworker of mine. Um, her name Hello. is Donna Sanders. And uh, I'm so happy to have her on. What we're doing this month is we're really highlighting chronic illness and and the traumatic experience of that and so tell us all that you are experiencing the illness that i have is called myalgic encephalomyelitis Hmm. um that is one of the official terms there aren't technically it's an illness that isn't necessarily recognized by the by the um medical association i mean really the nih does recommend does recognize it and things like that but i cannot find a doctor who treats it because and this just happened to me i will open up with a story about what just happened to me this week so trying to find a doctor to treat this is really hard there are literally only a handful of doctors that are researching it or treating it and they tend to be on both coasts Mm -hmm. you can get them on the east coast you can get them on the west coast but midwest And you'd figure in St. Louis with so many research hospitals that someone would be interested, but they're not Hmm. because they don't even know the etiology of this illness. They don't know the progression. They just know that there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, You, you become ill with a rather significant illness and you never recover. 
that's it. They don't know why. They don't know the wherefores. They don't know, you know, there are at least three different theories running around in the scientific community at this point in time. One thinks um, that it has something to do with the mitochondria, not, uh, not using ATP, or is it ADP? ATP, I think it is, correctly. Another one thinks that it's actually an autoimmune disorder in which the white blood cells, um, the attacker cells, have crossed the blood-brain barrier at the medulla oblongata back here. I think that's the medulla oblongata. And therefore is causing inflammation in different regions of, of your physical physical parts of your brain, which causes all the rest of it. But essentially what it's more commonly known as is chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay. And it's, it's deceptive, that term. Everybody's tired. Mm-hmm. We live in a nation where everybody's tired. Right. Knows after a year of, of being indoors, there's also that mental exhaustion that goes with that too. Mm-hmm. But this fatigue is, it's only the tip of the iceberg. It, it's a bone deep weariness that never gets better, ever. I've had it for three years, which means I'm lucky enough that the memory of being physically abled, like the, the sense memory, the body memory is fading. I don't remember what it doesn't feel like to... <laughs> to not feel like crap every day. Mm-hmm. Um, people with my illness has been compared, like our quality of life has been compared to a late stage AIDS patient or oh, wow. a cancer patient who is dying. Chronic fatigue syndrome. I honestly had not heard much about this until oh, really? this interview. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard about it for years. Well, then you'll be able to speak in. Well, this. not necessarily. I mean, I don't experience it. I don't know any. I, I used to have a friend that suffered with it. Um, I think one of the most frustrating things about that is something that she mentioned is that there's just not a lot known about it. And there's not a lot of people working on it. So people that are struggling with it are automatically at a higher risk for depression because not only are they struggling with pain and discomfort, but there's almost a feeling of people don't believe them. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors don't believe them. And and so there's there's the frustration that goes along with that of trying to prove what you're feeling and experiencing. Um, I, I think that's true, like, with a lot of disorders and stuff, though. I mean, in, until they're recognized, that's that's the norm for people that are experiencing them. It's the unknown. And so because of that, it, it produces, like she mentioned... Uh, she mentioned isolation and I'm assuming that she was talking about the forced isolation because of COVID. But at the same time, people that are struggling with a lot of pain and are not able to be active, of course, are isolated anyway, because they're not able to go out and they may not have a community that come, that comes to them. So that can be somewhat of a frustration and it definitely can lead to more, you know, depressive symptoms and things like that. um, Along with physical pain that they're experiencing. So Mm -hmm. it's a sad thing to have to deal with. Yeah. And there's something she mentions in there about, well, I mean, she, she said that there is no treatment, first of all, 
and that those who are doing research are only on the east and west coast. That which tends means to be where, that, yeah. right. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. However, for those in the middle of the country who are struggling with this with this syndrome, um, they are completely unable to receive any form of help right. in any way, shape, or form. Right. And so it's, yeah, um, I think it can be very, very overwhelming and isolating. Well, part of the problem, I mean, just in general with medical science is that you're, you're typically, doctors are, are they're, they're dealing with symptoms all the time. You right. know, they're, they're, it's a Band-Aid treatment a lot of times, especially in cases like this, because, because they don't understand the entirety of the situation. They're having to deal with symptoms alone and try to fix each one of the symptoms without recognizing the symptoms as a whole of something uh-huh. bigger. And, uh-huh. and so that can be very frustrating because it's like, you know, uh, do you remember the game? It's probably at a lot of arcades, Whack-A-Mole. So that's what this is kind of like. It's like whack-a-mole. A A new symptom pops up, you whack it and take care of it. A new symptom pops up, you whack it and take care of it. But that can get pretty exhausting after a while because you're really not getting any answers. You're just reacting. And not only that, um, which again, this is not being shared in this uh, episode, the the episode in in its entirety. But um, she mentions a story with a doctor that just continually recommends the same thing. Like you need to get an, you need to get more vitamin D. Oh nope, you need to get what's your sleep regimen? What's you know hmm. basic, very simple things? And she's like, I have been battling this for three years. Yeah, this is all throughout my chart about my sleep regimen, about getting enough sunlight. Freaking read my chart before you come at me with another suggestion because you're just offering the same thing that's been offered for the three years. And clearly, if that was going to fix it, it would have. Well, I mean, there's a sense of frustration, I think, probably on both sides of that, because for the for the person that's coming in with this, you know, this issue and, and looking to the expertise of a physician, they're expecting answers. So there's mm-hmm. a frustration that they're not getting the answers. On the other side of that issue is a physician who doesn't know what's happening. And he can right. only speak to what his limited knowledge, ha- you know, the limited knowledge he has on the subject matter. And a lot of times it is the simple things like that for people that they need to take care of in order to... In order to handle a situation, you mentioned a little bit ago, lack of sleep. For you, for anybody with seizure disorder, lack of sleep is often a trigger. Well, so your doctor's going to say, well, you need to take your meds and you need to sleep. So that's a very simple answer. But as you mentioned, you can't sleep. So there's a sense of frustration that's there because the doctor's giving very simplistic information. That's all he can give. The patient is struggling with that because it's not working for them. So there's this disconnect between the two. Um, I think it would go a long way if physicians were more open to, and I'm, I'm just, I know there probably are a lot of physicians that are this way, but oftentimes the stereotype of the physician is that they basically, you know, listen, maybe not even with much patience, hand you a prescription and send you on your way. And that Uh there's no level of understanding this goes along with it. And this is a sidebar, but I, I really feel like in our country, we need to have more integrative care of people so not only do we have the physical but there should be the mental that goes along with it because it's problematic when we're struggling with these things like that to have nobody that's listening or understanding or is helping us with the resulting mental health issues that may come from this right so you need wraparound services absolutely yes is what's necessary (laughs) Um, they should definitely be integrated 
Well, unfortunately, the healthcare system we have in our country with insurance companies and stuff doesn't really allow for that. And that's unfortunate. We're all at a loss for that, by the way. So. Right. I will just note that where I work, um, that granted behavioral health and medical is separate. And I, of course, work for the behavioral health side of right. things. Um, however, we are moving to a wraparound model. That's in awesome. which case, um, yeah, requests for care will no longer drive treatment. The member's needs will, and therefore care management, like case management, right. is going to be um, a part of essentially every single thing we do. Well, I mean, just think about it from, from a logistical standpoint. And, and again, I hope you don't mind that I use you as an example. Yeah, that's um, fine. But you, you were dealing with two different people in professional capacity that were telling you separate information about uh, your situation. One is telling you yeah, you're oh. having panic attacks. One is telling you you're having seizures. But those two never talk. So that, right. that's what I'm saying. That needs, to, that needs to be integrated. The discussion between those health professionals to say, how do we together work to help this person? Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when people are often given too many prescriptions. They're relying on the doctor to say, oh, what medicine they can have. But a lot of times those doctors are not aware of other prescriptions that are out there or whatever. And people are not always forthcoming with that information. So you could be having medication that's working against one another because those right. professionals are not speaking. So, again, you're right. It, it, the wraparound would be helpful and even more so if it included those professionals being able to converse with one another with regard to a patient's complete and total care. Like. Think about if we had treatment teams, yes. you know, like multidisciplinary treatment yes. teams per healthcare individuals. It would be, a, that would be, be fantastic. Yes, it would. But we don't get there again. This is a plug, but we don't get there until we have some kind of universal healthcare system where that's a possibility. Oh, Michelle. I know. I'm sorry, but I 100% believe I've come to a place in life where I believe all of us deserve that kind of care. And we should all want that for everybody else. Well, listen, I smoke cigarettes, and so therefore you should not have to pay for my poor decisions. I mean, I do get that. So. I get that perspective. I really do. But I, it, to me, it's very cold to say, well, too bad. You smoke cigarettes, so you made a choice. You get to die. That I mean, that, anyway, we're getting off topic. But, you know. I just don't I, know if I really want to pay when you break your back doing bodybuilding. You know, <laughs> I just don't know about that. It's not my well, lifestyle, let's... so I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen back in to another uh, piece of Donna's story. The mental health aspect is is a big part of it, mm-hmm. especially when you go from being someone who was on the abled side of the spectrum to heading into the disabled side of the spectrum. Right. I mean, everybody's got their different as you say, experiences as far as that goes, but having become chronically ill at the age of 42 mm-hmm. meant that I had already lived my life, most of my adult life thus far, well, that I had before then lived my life as an abled adult. I mean, even with the chronic knee pain and the knee replacement, I could still go to the gym, I could still go shopping, I could still walk from my front door to my car without taking a rest Mm -hmm. and that's not something I'm able to do now and being a woman who is also fat I'm perfectly fine with that word I mean I I, technically the term is morbidly obese I could I'm so fat I could die from it 
Okay. You know, I, I hate that term, but as mm-hmm. far as the word fat goes, there's, I don't take a lot of connotation in it. Um, I just wanted to ask, I mean, you used it, oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I want to like be okay with it, but like, I was like, yeah, wait no, a that's not that an, word, that's not... depending on who you're around could be offsetting. So I just wanted to see how oh, you felt. Oh God, I know, I know, I know. But that is a label that I will be, that I'm willing to do for myself, especially um, because it is the preference of people in the fat acceptance movement mm-hmm. prefer the term fat. Do they? So that's okay. one of those things that it doesn't bother me by this time. I have been mm-hmm. a large woman my entire life. And you know me, we're not mm-hmm. just talking about fat. We're talking about really bloody tall too. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I'm over six feet tall. Yeah. Yes. You so are. to go from someone who is, so used to relying on her strength, mm-hmm. physical strength. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, I'm fat, but I can swim straight, you know, laps for two hours. Mm-hmm. I can ride a bike through Forest Park and not have a problem to, you know, now the mark of a good day is whether or not I can get into the kitchen and cook. Otherwise, it's just catch as catch can or order something in because the only thing I'm going to be able to do is sit down and watch television. And that is very depressing. It would be very hard. Yeah, I agree. As somebody who is obviously always working on my physical fitness level, I mean, I can't imagine not being able to do that. But that's because it's become a habit for me. But I again, she had stressed before and she stressed it again this time that, uh, and I think the term that she's using is previously abled and becoming disabled. Mm-hmm. I, I can see the frustration in that. There, there, there would be a level of mental crisis that goes along with that because you basically your body has betrayed you. Yes. You know, and none of us want to ever believe or think that that could happen but it happens far too often to a lot of people. So, and quite honestly, it happens to all of us because the older we get, our bodies start breaking down. Our mind may not want to accept that, but it's the truth. So I I don't know. I think that that would have to be a very frustrating thing in and of itself to live with. Never mind pain associated with it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, she mentions becoming chronically ill at age 42. Mm -hmm. First of all, age 42 is still very young. Pretty much, yeah. And I almost kind of hear her talk about it as if there was a before. Yes. And there was an after. Right. And it, that, it, and it seems very definite. Mm-hmm. There, there doesn't seem to be much, uh, but, you know, wiggle room between those two before and after. Um, there is no going back in the way that she talks about it. And it's just, right. I, I think it's very sad. Yeah, of course. And I, and, I, and I think it would be very, very hard. And, you know, she mentions it being very depressing. I mean, I think it would be very depressing and, and often feeling very alone. I mean, I know I've already mentioned that, but I mean, that's definitely what this sounds like to me. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think now, now I will, I will say this. And again, I, I don't want to read too much into this, um, having not been a part of the conversation, 
Um, but she does mention that she has been overweight for most of her life. So it, it would seem as though, like you said, there's this before and the after, but it, it seems like maybe the only thing that changed is that now pain is associated with life. Because there has to be some limitation when, you, when you're living life from that perspective normally. Mm-hmm. You're, you're probably, your fitness level or activity level is not as high, you know, or maybe it creates isolation in your life. For a lot of people that struggle with it, it does. But now she has this pain associated with it. So you're right, there's like a before and an after, but it, it seems like maybe the pain might be the biggest change. Mm. And again, I'm reading a lot into the situation there and I probably shouldn't right. do that. Well, I, I mean, I think she can only speak to that, but right. yeah. Well, let's listen to one more piece. My experience is that I have become invisible in many ways, not just mental mm-hmm. health. That sounds like not it. or medical help either. It's mm-hmm. I'm homebound. I don't leave my house. Right. My right. friends don't see me. Mm-hmm. You cannot believe. So I'm I'm on disability, and I was really lucky. I got on it first try, Isn't which I don't know if that's because I'm a social worker and knew. Wait, yeah, there are no. a lot of hoops. <laughs> There are a lot of hoops, but apparently I passed through them well enough. That's good. But um, what's really surprised me is I get calls every day, multiple calls every day from people who are just trying to part me from what little money I have. Mm -hmm. Scams. I get scam calls every day. Um, That's not good. The amount of people that I've found who try to take advantage of people who are disabled mm-hmm. is vast. They come out of the woodworks. They chase you down. So in many and ways, it's, it's like, it's almost everywhere you go. <laughs> um, I have, I have heard and read and listened to many stories about how people in poverty are treated. It's very different to be on the end of receiving it because nobody tells you what a constant bombardment it is and the way that people are constantly trying to take advantage of the fact that you're not abled, that that somehow makes you prey or a victim. Mm -hmm. And I don't like those terms. Um, I prefer to think of myself as a survivor this isn't something I ever wanted to survive though. Right. You didn't choose, you know, no, definitely, definitely not. Well, I don't know if anybody ever chooses disability truth because it really is horrible. Mm -hmm. It's, it's horrible. The way the perceptions of people, you know, I got one of the things is walking any physical activity will cause a crash and a crash is basically a a severe exacerbation of symptoms and she goes on to share about um just being in a lot of pain as a result um, of these massive uh what she refers to as crashes right and goes on to even talk about uh, what she refers to as brainstorms. 
and she even mentions at, at one point uh, very, very bad headaches that are kind of like, I think she referred to them as suicidal headaches, which I had never heard before. Um, she also goes into talking about serious cramping, um, but in not the typical ways. She even mentions that she has eye cramps. Um, has what as a kind result. of cramps? Cramps in her eyes. Oh, okay. Um, that are just caused from from apparently a lot of the pain. Um, I think, but what really stuck out to me the most was, again, this isolation of just being homebound, stuck at home, yeah. doesn't seem to have many friends or, or the friends that she has don't come to see her and then perhaps not feeling a, a ton of pride and in, in, in you know enrolling in disability but then almost kind of feeling uh, bombarded um, by the amount of uh, people that were coming at her trying to prey on the fact that she was on disability yeah what do you think I, I think that that any time that you're dealing with a chronic illness like this, that that becomes the lens that you see the world through. And, and so everything feels like it's associated with that to some, in some form or fashion. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, the reality is all of us get annoying phone calls. All of us have people that want their hand in our pocket. That's the way it is. But again, when you are less able to, to live the way everybody else lives, it become it, it seems as though it comes to you is, you know, this is a part of what's happening to me. And, and that makes sense to me. I, I mean, that just makes sense. I, I think, again, if we go back to some of the symptoms of depression, however, you're talking about, you know, those feelings of hopelessness or pessimistic behavior. That's, that's what, you know, that sounded like to me. Being frustrated, easily frustrated or restless with some of the things that are going on in life you know, feeling helpless. These are all symptomatic of, of depressive episodes. And so when you're in that isolation, when you're in that constant pain, when these are becoming very much a part of your everyday life, yeah, it makes sense that, that your whole worldview is shaped by that. It's just the mm-hmm. way it is. Mm-hmm. And it's very sad. It is. And I think within that place, it's just very hard to see other options. Absolutely. Not to say that there are other options, but it can vary. Right. I'm not suggesting that that there are, but if there were, they would be difficult to see. Sure. And, And that can be the result of a chronic illness on mental health and how that can become a very traumatic experience for the individual. Well, and, and then again, with when we're talking, as we've discussed over the last few months, though, when tra- with trauma, it brings its own, it brings its own set of, of challenges. Yes. So when you're feeling traumatized by something that's out of your control, like a you know, like a disease or a disorder, and you're suffering physically from it as well as mentally, you know, yeah, now we're talking about exacerbated symptoms you know, that mirror depression, but are actually trauma related. So we're compounding problems now, which can be very difficult. And so, you know, as we go through this month, we're going to talk about some things like this. We're going to talk about some different situations and different people's perspectives on how they're living with this. Because at some point we have to recognize that there's a reconciliation that has to happen. Yes. And that's easy for me to say because I'm not living with any of these. I mean, I have my own health challenges, but, you know, I'm not living 
anybody else's experience but my own. So, but there is a reconciliation that comes if we're going to deal with the mental health side of it. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. Please feel free. Please don't feel free. Please just go check us out on mental-podcast.com. Um, our Facebook group is rather active. Also, uh, we have a uh, an Instagram account, which I am updating daily. And then also, uh, we have a Marco Polo group, if you wanted to join that. And for the rest of this month, we will be focused on trauma resulting from chronic physical illness. Until next week. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you'll find top brand kitchen appliances with innovative features that can do more so your holidays can be more. Ovens with built-in air fryers for baking the perfect cookies. Dishwashers with smart tech to clean everything from bakeware to festive mugs. And high-capacity refrigerators to keep leftovers fresh. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off. Plus, instantly save up to $750 on select GE kitchen packages at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through November 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details.